Welcome to episode 6 of the Lonely Fan Sports Show. I am Josh Anderson. It's been about a week since I have recorded an episode, but there have been a lot of sports out there. We have the NFL Divisional Round, a lot of important games there. But in this episode, we will cover the first round of the Monster Energy Supercross. The series is opening up in Houston. Normally, the Feld of the Monster Energy Supercross, they start the series in Anaheim, California. But due to the lockdown that California is, normally Anaheim 1 has two to three races each year. But due to the politics of the world, California is still on nuclear nuclear lockdowns and Feld is still a ticket-driven business. They need fans. So Texas, Florida, and states like that, which are granting fans and are warm enough to have Supercross, are going to have fans. So they are trying to save money. So they're going to have three rounds a series, uh, three rounds per stadium, which they can. So they are going to have a race tomorrow. So that's going to be interesting. Now, when they came back to Salt Lake City, it was uh, seven races in a few weeks span, or at least in a month span. That was exciting. I loved it. And they are at least modifying that to here. So here they have it in Houston. As let's go into the review. The winner of the event for the third opener in a row was Justin Barsha. Uh, he is debuting in the Gas Gas. Now, KTM bought Gas Gas. Uh, so you, many can think this is just a glorified KTM, which it kind of is, but there have been few different modifications to this bike. Justin Barsha making a move to the from the Yamaha squad, uh, even though Star Yamaha is taking over Yamaha. Uh, for Justin Barsha, I think this was his most impressive of the three opening round wins. The first one was in a mutter. So people were just saying, ah, it's a mutter. So you really don't know if it's just because of the conditions. Last year, Adam Cincerillo was past him. And you really didn't really didn't know if, you know, maybe if Justin just got a little lucky. Well, this one, he took the whole shot and just ran it all the way. Ken Roxon was on his butt the entire time. But you know what? He held him off the entire time, ran the pace, and didn't let Roxon buy. Now, Roxon has never been the most aggressive rider in the world, so he doesn't take the shots like, say, like a Tomac does. If Tomac were to need to get aggressive or if Webb needs to get aggressive. So if that's one single weakness of Roxon's game, that even so, I'll even say Justin Barsha, Barsha, because his nickname is Bam Bam, either way. Justin Barsha will get the victory here. It will be interesting to see if Barsha is able to maintain this the rest of the year. Now, the last two years, he has not been able to. Uh, last year, he was able to keep the points lead at least in the last uh, first few rounds of the series before Roxon and Tomac battled back and forth before Tomac was ultimately the 2020 champion. This year, with the new bike, 
he is Barsha cannot use the excuses of having a Yamaha. Barsha would always say that he was having difficulties on certain type of conditions. With the KTM, you're not going to have that excuse. So it's going to be on Barsha to be able to maintain to make sure that it, it, it's going to be on him on this bike that's virtually on the same bike as Webb and Muscan. He has, this is going to be his, probably his last opportunity to win a 450 championship, and this is going to be his best bike. We'll have to see Roxon Now, Roxon who got second, he looked amazing. Now, opening rounds of a series has always been the strong point of Ken Roxon. Uh, he 2014 he won the opener 2015 he won the opener 2016 he did not he got a bad start got taken out didn't look that great 2017 he won the opener so a lot of the openers he has looked great and this one was no different the problem outside of the injury stricken seasons for Roxon the middle part of the year for Ken Roxon has been the weakness for him so he's going to have to find the strength to maintain and keep winning throughout the middle towards the end part of the year. The only season for Ken Roxon that he has been able to consistently win and not be weak in the middle of part of the year is 2016. The only caveat to that year is Ryan Dungey was winning the championship and he lost at Supercross Championship by almost 90 points. In terms of health and speed, though, Roxon hopefully he has all the shingles, all the whatever that was angling him from all the surgeries. Hopefully he has that all taken care of because a healthy Ken Roxon is what the series needs. And hopefully, like I said, he has that all taken care of. Third was Marvin Muscan. Now, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised that he was third because in the preseason power rankings... He was 10th. Now, I think that was because he missed the entire 2020 Monster Energy Supercross season. And also during the outdoor season, he was kind of favoring. And I also think that uh, the age has something to do with it. People have to start realizing that even though when you reach the age of 30, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the end of you. Um, even though I understand that Dunge and Villapoto both retired when they keep possibly winning more championships, Marvin, he could have, he could be a championship guy. He just has to stop making the mental mistakes that he does. But surprisingly, he rode up to third place. He got a mid-place mid start and he rode up there. Now it's going to be up to him to not lose by 20 seconds because towards the end part of the race, he was faltering, so we'll have to see. Now, a good placement for the fourth place rider was Adam Cincerillo. Now, for Adam, he revealed that he had a late surgery by Christmas time that made him that he could not ride that he much that he wanted to. So, a couple of weeks before the season, while he's finally doing his regular routine. So, if he is getting fourth places by now... That could be a bad sign to the competition. Now, during my preview show, I did pick Eli Tomac, which I will get to him when, he get, when I get down to him. But I was really wrestling with Adam Cincerello and Eli Tomac. And I was ready to push the button on AC, but I was having revelations on Eli 
because of the whole track conditions. Well, I may be kicking myself because I may be going back to AC winning the title because I fully believe he will win the title at this point if he's going to get healthy by the middle of the season. I understand that the first race of the season, you're not going to get all of the results that you think it's going to happen because Justin Bar- Justin Barsha has won the last three rounds, but he hasn't finished up there. But we'll see. Y- you never know. But at least for Adam, he had one of the fastest laps of the race, and he was able to maintain a fourth-place start. He is one of the best starters of the series, and he does have the speed, and he's not fully 100%. So what we will have to see on him. The fifth place rider was Malcolm Stewart. I think he had the quietest fifth place ride of we've ever seen. Now, I know on the TV broadcast, they brought him up just to show him. But he kind of rode by himself the entire time. I think if you're Yamaha, you have to be very, very pleased with that. Because if you're Star, you made a lot of changes on the bike. You saw Plessinger, which I'll get to him in a couple of minutes, but you saw him up in a heat race. But if you're Malcolm and you're you're debuting on that bike, you're happy just to see him get a top five because that's where you finished on, on the Moto Concepts bike, and he's maintaining on that level. Now, if he were to get a start, could he win a race? I don't know. Let's just Let's just get a podium first, and then we could see where we can get to the next step on him. Then we get to Justin Braden, which he's not on factory equipment. And then we found out that Chris Kiefer of the Pulp MX Network was actually helping him out. And I think that was pretty cool and pretty telling that, you know, the one thing that you'll never understand is how much that. And I never really I've never actually quite understood this with the whole when Honda released their bikes and everything was how media people and like i also heard that ken roxon had to buy his own bike just to get a bike out there like what what is with honda and like not getting the riders prepared because roxon looks great and everything but it's like honda get your crap together and get your stuff out to your riders and even to the secondary and third tier riders i understand you want the media and everyone to get their bikes but holy moly get your riders the bikes get your if you're going to release a new bike bike now i understand that other like oems might have a hard time getting their stuff out there but if you're going to release a brand new bike make sure you have the product ready to release a bike either way way to go justin Braden getting a start now during the 2020 season he really didn't get a start that much so but to start off the season this way on a non-factory bike and to hold off to get sixth place, way to go, buddy. That's the way to go. That's the way to make uh, Jason Weigand happy. Uh, Dylan Ferrandez got seventh. Um, when it comes to him, uh, he came into the season with a broken hand, and there were reports that he got COVID. Now, that could not be true, but he for sure had the broken hand. Uh, during the heat race, he I, I, I think he crashed, went down. It, the broadcast didn't catch it, but you caught it during the, if you're paying attention, to live timing. With that said, uh, I think seventh place for him is respectable. Didn't have the greatest of starts, but he was able to maintain a seventh place. 
If that's a starting point for him, he has to be happy. I don't think he has a shot for the championship this year. I think that is a three-year plan for him. I think that has to be a goal in mind. We'll have to see where the bike is for him with that. Uh, for Dylan, like I said, it's just going to be a building year for him and maybe a podium here or there, especially for outdoors. Uh, the person behind him, though, is the whole Aaron Plessinger. Now, I was excited to see him up into the right behind Cooper Webb in the heat race. I was like, you know what? Bam. I felt that maybe he could actually get the lead. Now, to be honest with you, I felt that he was extremely too nice to Cooper Webb in the uh, heat race. I felt that if he actually, not that he doesn't have to punt him off the track or anything, but I felt that he could maybe be a little more aggressive in the heat race because Osborne was more aggressive on his passes and Osborne took the heat race win. Not saying Osborne probably would have got Plessinger in the heat race, but if Plessinger would have been a little bit more aggressive, he could have at least led a lap or two. But that's not what happened. But you know what? Plessinger got an eighth place there. That's probably his best result. It's better than anything last year, and he showed some speed. He had a lap time that was even faster than uh, Brayton and Ferrandez. Actually, his lap time was even faster than Malcolm Stewart and Adam Cincerello. So, and even faster than Marvin. So, he, the, the speed is there. It's just going to be up to him to get a spark starts. Then we look at the ninth place rider, Cooper Webb. I, I, I don't know what's going on with Cooper Webb at all. Yeah, I, qualifying was barely top 10. That was a red flag right there. Now, I understand that he might not be the greatest qualifier in the world, but that should put up some red flags right there. And then in the heat race, he got a good start there. So I'm like, oh, never mind. That's not realistically going to be a worrisome right there. But then all of a sudden in the heat race, Plessinger was fighting with him. Now, I understand right before this, I said Plessinger was looking great. That's wonderful. But Cooper Webb is a 2019 champ. He should not be, he should be fine. But then all of a sudden, Zach Osborne passes both of them, and he's gone. So I'm like, oh boy, something's up with Webb. And then Webb doesn't get a start in the main, and then uh, he's nowhere to be found in the entire first round. Now, I understand last year, Roxon and Tomac didn't get a start at all. So... We'll have to see. Maybe it was first-round jitters or whatever, but there's no reports this year of him being sick. And last year, at least in 2019, when he won a championship, he didn't even slow the start because he crashed and he made it up to fifth. So this year he got a ninth, and he kind of just rode around there. So it's kind of like, what's wrong with Cooper Webb this year? I'm a little worried. Because if Roxon, Muscan, Adam, and Justin are on the top of their game and Cooper and Eli, for example, aren't on top of their games, they aren't, they're in trouble. And I have a hard time believing Cooper. The one weakness of Cooper Webb that the other guys have in their ballpark is raw speed. And from the 250 class, that I've seen from Cooper Webb into the 450 class is Cooper Webb doesn't have this magical raw speed. 
Cooper Webb has more of this gamer mentality where he can sometimes match a pa- match a pace of some of the riders, but he, I can't foresee him mystically going out there and just setting this magical pace that an Eli Tomac when he's on or Ken Roxon if he's on can do it. So if Cooper Webb doesn't get starts and just hold off people, I don't foresee him winning two, three, four, five races. So if he keeps getting this ninth place results, his championship hopes are done. Zach Osborne got 10th. That's because he went down in the first corner. When you're looking at him and his results, it's going to be it's, it's he's going to have to stop getting in these first turn crashes or bad starts. And that's typically what ends Zach Osborne. Uh, this also happened in the 250 class. Uh, he's going to have races where he is going to start off well and maybe have a chance for race wins. But... Outdoors, Zach Osborne is a great outdoor rider. Supercross is where he typically has these 8th to or worse place starts. And that's why I just have no faith in him of winning a Supercross championship. Now, it was great for him to be last on the start and go up to 10th place. But when you have Roxon, who doesn't have those type of starts, or if you have Marvin or Adam, who, who is always a 5th or better place start, it's going to be hard for you to have a chance to win the championship. I think Zacho will finish around fifth in the points, and that's where he's going to be at. But he's going to have a good year, and we'll have to see if he can defend his outdoor championship. Uh, Dean Wilson didn't see much of him all day. He, he made a point that he was the fastest of the free practice. That doesn't really matter much. But I feel that's 12th place is where he's going to be most of the season. Oh, sorry, I missed Joey Savacci. This is uh, Joey Savacci's first race on a Rocky Mountain ATV KTM. Uh, Speaking of that, it was really weird not seeing Blake Baggett line up. Still have not heard anything on his end on why he's not racing outside of money issues and his injury. Um, When it comes to Joey, I did pick him on my Pulpamex fantasy team. Uh, didn't uh, my fantasy team did all right? I got all eight guys in. But regarding Savachi, um, for him, it's just getting the top tens. It should be the goal for him this year and improve. Eleventh is okay. It's his first Supercross race back. Uh, outdoors did not go well for him last year, so getting eleventh is all right. Now we get to Eli Tomac, for which what are you doing? For the love of God, what are you doing out there? You know, it's just another one of those. I am an Eli Tomac fan. I have the first. Now, I didn't know about the whole winning his first ever 250 moto and 250 race when he was out there. I didn't know anything about that. The first time I saw him is when he was facing off against Dean Wilson for that 250 Supercross championship. That's really the first time I saw him and I enjoyed watching him. But ever since then, I his weirdo rides irritate the living day out of me, and I am a complete fan of this. So when I see that, I'm just like, what are you doing? And there's no reason for him, you know, if he's going in for a block pass and he crashes with Vince Freezy, that happens. But at that point, you're in 13th place. There's no reason for which you are, you should be passing Dean Wilson, Joey Savacci, you know, if you're going to be battling Zach Osborne, I get it. But at the time, you're in front of Zach Osborne. 
and Cooper Webb struggling, and Aaron Plessinger, Dylan, Justin, you, you should be passing these guys. You should be getting fifth or sixth place, not staying in 13th, and then you're going to get into it with Vince Freezy again. So there was a tweet out there saying maybe it was arm pump again. You know, at this point, he's getting close to 30 years old. It's like you should have this shit figured out by now. I, I just don't know where to go with him. Now, I understand in 2013, Ryan Villapoto finished in 14th place, but this isn't the same group of riders that Ryan Villapoto was facing. Davey Millsteps had a career year that year, and Ryan Villapoto took over halfway. Uh, Dunge was mentally breaking down halfway through that series. Otherwise, Dunge probably would have won that year. But I just don't foresee any other riders he's gonna have to go winning he's gonna have to win like 11 races this year because Barsha is gonna be a top five guy most of the year Roxon's gonna be up there Marvin Cincerillo at least those set of guys are gonna be in the same time frame now he got lucky with Cooper Webb Zach Osborne those riders didn't didn't fare as well as the top four did but the top four, he's going to have to beat them every single week just to get into points. If Eli Tomac doesn't come out and win on Tuesday, it's going to be a long year for him. I have a, I, I have no evidence of this, obviously, because this is more of a fan-driven podcast. But I have a sneaking suspicion that this is the last year of Eli Tomac. I, I think Cowie is going to go with Forkner and Adam next year. I just think... Uh, what is, what what does Eli have to prove? Because these weirdo rides are just irritating as hell to me, and I just oh, it's just one of those things. Fourteenth uh, place was Chase Sexton. Uh, he got into it with Martin Davalos. Uh, Martin Davalos went off a jump, uh, got into the top blocks, and then Chase really had nowhere else to go. Now Chase had a kind of I guess an eventful parade lap. He went down twice there. I don't know what happened there, but um, uh, when it comes to Chase, it was his first 450 Supercross, so it was not anything. Just one of those rides where you just want to get through it. He got lapped. He'll improve, uh, as we've seen from the outdoors. Let's get just get to the next race. 15th place was Jason Anderson. Uh, if he was trying to prove his doubters wrong in leaving the Baker program, this was not the race to do it. Uh, he's going to have to massively improve next week because um, I'm pretty sure this is a contract year for him, and that's not the way to do it. Uh, 16th place is Vince Freezy. Uh, in my preview podcast, I had said Vince Freezy had improved. Um, I may want to strike that from the preview podcast because getting into it with Eli twice uh, I might have been proven wrong. Uh, 17th place was Brock Tickle. Didn't see much from him. He was he was just there. Uh, as I said, 18th place was Martin Davalos. He went down a couple times. 19th place was Kyle Chisholm. He won the LCQ. 20th was the Seven Deuce Twos. Uh, he, he, I was actually, and also speaking of that, 21st and 22nd was Alex Ray and Brandon Hartrath. Uh, those, all those four made it in through the LCQ. I was extremely shocked that all those four, well, not for Kyle Chisholm, but for the other three, they made it through the LCQ. 
I was real extremely proud of Alex Ray making it in. Uh, that's his, probably his first time he's made it in round one. And the seven deuce deuce as well. I'm just very proud because those guys are privateer riders, even though they are on technically teams. But they need all the help they can get. And I think what really propelled them to making this was racing all of outdoors. Racing the outdoors, I felt, got the experience because they need more riding. And this really helped them. I hope they make it in the next round, too. Alex Ray did crash crash in the main. I hope he is good enough to ride on Tuesday. We'll have to see on that as well. Uh, the only other thing that happened that I know of in the LCQ, if I pull that up, um, there was a crash that took out Benny Bloss. He was this wrong place, wrong time for him. Uh, he probably should have made, made the main event at just sometimes for, for Benny Bloss. He could, when he's on a high like he is in Salt Lake City, it, it can be a really, really, really good high. And then other times, it's not going to be a good high, and then he has times where he's not going to make a main. The other rider that didn't make the main, which probably is always going to be borderline, is Fast Freddie Norton. He'll have a shot again on Tuesday. We'll have to see. I think the shock of the LCQ was Joan Cross getting a start there, uh, but uh, he was quickly passed by Brandon Hartraft, and then Kyle Chisholm got in there. So we'll have to see on Tuesday if those four can get it into the main again. It's going to be all about the start, and uh, we'll see from that. Then we get to the 250s. I felt the 250 East Regional was going to be a dominated by Austin Fortner, but then a certain rider named by Christian Craig kind of changed the whole outlook. Outlook. Um, one second, my computer is uh, not working correctly. Either way, um, Christian Craig looked amazing. The one comparison I will make is to last year, and uh, and that bike is we'll look at Shane McElrath when Shane McElrath started. Uh, the East region last year. He looked great that first round, but he won by a lot more than what Christian Craig did. Uh, he got the start. He got a better start than Austin Forkner did. Um, that bike is great that he's on. That Yamaha, Star Yamaha is the best bike in the class. But he, there were some points, though, where Christian Craig went down in the heat race. He made some questionable decisions where I thought he was going to go down even in the main. I think Austin Forkner, who got second, I will get to him in a couple minutes, but for Christian Craig, when, when I say Shane McElrath, I think there will be points where Christian will not get the starts all the time. I, I mean, RJ Hampshire got the starts in both races that they raced together. And like I said, Christian went down, so Christian is more has a more propensity to crash. So when you get to Forkner, uh, Forkner will get his starts down, and Forkner, I think, is the, better, the best starter in the class. I think with this bike, it's just a little bit getting more down to getting the bike dialed. And once they get the bike dialed, since it's such a new bike, I think this is probably the first race that I've seen Forkner with not getting a start, having to battle through the pack. Now, when he finally got to second place, Christian Craig was a four and a half second lead. Now, there was a really odd spot in the 250 race where the red cross flag came out. And Forkner stopped, and 
did the jumps correctly. The two riders behind them didn't, and I don't understand how they didn't get penalized or anything, but they, I mean, it jumped up to Christian Craig's lead to 6.3 seconds. So it would have been interesting to see if Forkner could have got that lead down to two seconds or anything if that red cross flag didn't come out. But I think if Forkner is able to win on Tuesday, it's going to give the momentum back to him. But either way, for Forkner, this is the first time, like I said, that I've been able to see him battle through the pack because normally when he wins, it's always going to be a hole shot, and usually he's gone. Um, I think the other rider that had showed some speed was Colt Nichols. I was looking at his lap times, and he did not get a good start at all. He even said it on the podium that he did not get a good jump, and he's going to have to work on that, but he had some extremely fast lap times. Now, is that due to the bike, and that's a Star Yamaha thing, or is he a talented rider, which I think it's a combination of both. Uh, Joe Shimoda, he surprised me a lot. Now, he was kind of gifted this fourth place, which if you're gifted anything, you take it. But he was leading in the heat race, in the first heat race of the night. He was leading it, and you, I was extremely surprised. When, if you're going to be put on a bike and you're gifted a, not sorry, not gifted, but if you're given an opportunity to be on a, a pro circuit bike, you better show it. And he was showing it. He was leading the heat race, and that's the first time I've ever seen him lead a heat race, and he got a fourth place. He put himself in the right position, and you know, RJ, RJ Hamshire, who got fifth, crashed, shouldn't have, but he did. Jet Lawrence kept making mistakes, and those mistakes from Jet Lawrence are the reasons why I have a hard time believing he's going to win the championship this year. I think Jet is a year away. Um, uh, I like Jet, and, and this is a little bit of a side little rant on Jet. I think I understand Feld wants to push Jet. Jet is a wonderful personality, but can we can we slow it down just a tidge, please? Can we slow it down just just a tidge? Because the the stuff on the track where he makes a small little mistakes are just a little, little noticeable. Um, you know, in the middle of the race, he kind of faltered a little bit. Now towards the end of the race, it was great to see him recover. That was an awesome, great to see. But either way, he still made this small mistakes at the end where he went to sixth place, and that's going to cost you a lot of points. Where someone like Forkner, whom you know Forkner has a tendency of crashing out, but if Forkner doesn't crash out, or Christian Craig, who if Christian Craig doesn't make any mistakes the rest of the year, those are points that are never going to make you up. So, uh, Michael Mosman is seventh. I didn't see him much all race. He did crash. Tore up his back of his jersey. Doesn't look like he was too hurt or anything. Uh, eighth was Mitchell Oldenburg. Didn't see much of him. He's on that muck-off team. Uh, ninth was Max Voland. Uh, if you're Max Voland, you are happy with that result. You just don't want... Uh, you just, all you want to do is get top tens. Number 10, Josh Osby. Thank the Lord, he was my one guy on my LCQ on my Pulp MX Fantasy team that I was like, for the love of God. And then something happened, and I, I wasn't quite sure what happened in the his heat race, but he got the worst gate pick in the LCQ. But a whole bunch of guys, a whole bunch of guys took each other out, and he was able to qualify. Thank God. And then he got tenth. John Short with limited prep on his bike got eleventh, and then. Um, whole bunch of random dudes 
the rest of the way. Uh, the only no, I guess the only noticeable was Thomas Thomas Dell. I thought Thomas Du was gonna have the most points. He was riding up twelfth, but then he dropped down to sixteenth. Logan Carnell was probably the most notable Canadian rider. He got seventeenth. T.J. Albright was twentieth. Jeremy Hand was twenty-first, and Dylan Woodcock was twenty-second. I think Randy Richardson had some pretty funny twittering on that regarding regarding him. <laughs> I guess some guys I didn't mention. I guess I will. Uh, Joshua uh, Rares got twelfth. Kevin Morans was thirteenth. Uh, Grant Harlan was fourteenth. Hunter Sales was fifteenth. Uh, Max Miller was nineteenth. So it'll be interesting to see the rest of the way uh, how the Tuesday's race goes. There's some guys going to be looking for some better. There'll be some guys looking for some better results. Um, as I said, I'm going to be looking at to see if when we look at tomorrow's race for the 450s, I want to see if Justin Barsha can maintain. That's going to be up to his starts. Now with the Yamaha, since it was running so basic, is oh, sorry if it was running such production model, um, can they make it for the gas gas? Can he maintain those starts? Because when he was on the Honda on the 250s, he was known as a great starter. So on the gas gas, can he be, get back to being that great starter? Can 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 Roxon be? Can he be a title contender? Can his health maintain? Because we know in Salt Lake City, he couldn't maintain being racing back-to-back-to-back. So can his health maintain? Can Marvin Muscan cover or get closer in that 20-second gap? Can Adamson Cirillo get healthier? Can Malcolm Stewart keep pace in that fifth place? For Justin Braden, can he maintain the starts? For Dylan Fernandez, we'll see what and uh, Aaron Plessinger, um, where are we at? Were these fake results? Or are we going to maintain? Um, for Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, and Zach Osborne, I'm going to tie those three together. Are those results going to stay there? Or are your starts and are your results going to get better at all? Odds are they are going to, but are they, are they going to be this week or next week? So... It's going to be interesting. I really hope that the Tuesday race is exciting. I, I'm worried about the track. I the track. I was not a fan of the track on Saturday. The track was extremely basic. Uh, I hope the Feld guys get longer tracks than 44 seconds. If you're going to do a Supercross track, the track has to be at least 53 to 53 seconds to a minute long. It cannot be. 44 seconds that is way too short it has nothing for me it really has nothing to do with the amount of laps the guys do that that has never been my concern my concern is just like when you have like a 44 second track are you really challenging the guys no you're really not so that was uh my houston supercross review uh after this podcast i am going to do a nfl divisional round review where i talk about the four playoff games uh i am excited about the results on that and then i did not get an opportunity to watch the snowcross races this weekend i had my little one's birthday party 
And then with all the football and snowcross, or sorry, supercross racing, it was just not possible. So this week I will watch the snowcross races and I will give my review of those. And then, like I said, um, this week I will do also a review of the supercross races on the supercross race on Tuesday. And then I will do a conference NFL championship podcast preview review of that. So lots of pods coming up. Hope you listen. Thank you for your time.